Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you for taking the time this morning to watch and focus our attention upon this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 5. The title of the message today is The Soul Winner's Mandate, Share the Gospel Now. Everything that we have focused our attention on through the Holy Week, Easter, and afterwards brings us to this point of what it means to be a believer in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'll join me with Acts chapter 5, we're going to specifically look at verses 17 through 20 and then 40 through 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And then moving over to verses 40 through 42. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Days after, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Please, if you would, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to dive into your scriptures. And Father, this entire passage of Acts chapter 5 gives so much detail and so much understanding of what it means to be a believer and the things that we have to go through and your divine protection and provision. And I pray that you will speak to us through the events that happened to these apostles. And Father, how we can be faithful and learn these lessons. So guide us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So following the great prayer meeting recorded in Acts chapter 4, and then the events surrounding the Holy Spirit falling upon Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 and their judgment. The scriptures record in Acts chapter 5 verse 14, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Well, the religious leaders of Jerusalem and of Israel had a problem. What in the world were they going to do concerning the spread of what they considered heresy to Almighty God? They decided once more to arrest the apostles and to keep them in jail. Previously, when the apostles were arrested, they were uh, let go early the next morning. This time, the high priest and his associates, the Sadducees, were determined not to let them off so easily. But God had a different plan. This morning, as we concentrate upon this passage of Scripture, there are three things, three lessons, I think, that we ought to learn. One is the Lord's compassion. The second is the Lord's commission. And the third is the believer's commitment. Because this is our challenge to move forward to share the gospel now. First, the Lord's compassion. If we look at verse 19, the Scripture says, But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Here we see God's compassion specifically toward the apostles. We, we find that God loves the apostles. And in his love for his apostles as well as believers, 
he did not exempt them from going through difficult times or persecution in being faithful to him. I think that's an important principle. In fact, Jesus had already instructed them to expect persecution. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And Jesus was laying the foundation that believers were not going to have a smooth path. And it wasn't any kind of issue between them and God if they were being faithful and going through persecution. The reality is, if you are living a righteous life, striving to be all that God wants you to be, well, there just might be some persecution along the line. In Damascus, if you remember, the Apostle Paul was surrounded by enemies who were always threatening his life. In fact, if you move on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, through that chapter, he says this, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. All of this in his ministry and his service to God. Paul says, listen, I want you to understand, this is not a cakewalk. And I want you to understand, when I go place to place to communicate the gospel, there are always those that have a target on my back. But it is all for the glory of of the kingdom of God. In the first century, the great first great persecution happened around 67 AD when Nero was emperor in Rome. In fact, when the city burned and burned for nine particular days, we find that the people were beginning to blame Nero for the burning of the city. He wanted to divert that blame, and so he focused his attention specifically on the Christians. He was moving everything toward the Christians, saying, these are the ones who have created the greatest and the biggest issues. And so he would have some of these believers sewn up in, 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 in skins of wild animals, and he would turn both dogs and lions upon them and tear them to pieces. He would dress others in shirts made stiff with wax, and then Nero would have them tied to the axle trees and set them afire to illuminate his gardens. This is the kind of persecution that took place when we find that people were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, persecution is a reality. Just because you are following Christ and just because we know that he loves us doesn't mean if we're obedient to him that it is going to be smooth sailing. In fact, if you go back to the 20th century, there was more Christian persecution around the world that was documented in the 20th century than the 19 centuries prior to that altogether. I think about the Korean Christians who went through so much persecution. When asked how they endured the pain, one Korean Christian responded, we're like nails 
The harder you hit us, the deeper we go. The Lord loved them, the apostles, but they still faced persecution. A second principle that we find within his compassionate care is that he released these apostles. Why? Because he loved the people of Jerusalem. He wanted them to hear the gospel. And so he sent the angel to open the door of the jail so the apostles could come out. It was all because he wanted the people in Jerusalem to hear the good news. That's his compassion. You know, the people of Jerusalem and beyond, they were religious, but they were lost. They were lost and alienated from God. And Jesus saw them like, like multitudes without a shepherd. In fact, he said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The Apostle Paul, like John Wesley in a later generation, said, I look upon all the world as my parish. There is this sense, this understanding that God desires his people and the people of the world to come to a saving knowledge. And his compassion says, I want you to go out and I want you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to be engaged in that. And even though you might face persecution, I want you to know my compassion for the people. I have shed tears over Jerusalem because they have strayed from me, and I want them to hear the good news. The people had no hope unless somebody told them the good news. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul said, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. He is saying, listen, it is vital and important. It is a mandate for every single believer to take what they have understood, what has transformed them, that is the gospel of Christ, and go and share it with the people of the world, because how will they hear if we do not go? One man described it, totally without hope, one cannot live. Yet to live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopelessness, and it's no accident that the sentence above Dante's hell is this inscription, leave behind all hope, you who enter here. My friends, we must give them hope. We must share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're going to embrace and take on the compassion of Christ, that's exactly what we must do. Donald Barnhouse said, Men may not read the gospel in sealskin, or the gospel in Morocco, or the gospel in cloth covers, but they can't get away from the gospel of shoe leather. We need to take on the Lord's compassion and like many others who have gone before us, we need to be able to engage the, these people of the world to hear the good news of Christ. That's been happening over the last two millennium, and it needs to continue with us right here. So we sense and have an understanding of the Lord's compassion. Also, we must look at the Lord's commission. In, in verse 20 of Acts chapter 5, the scripture says, Go stand in the temple court. Well, the Lord's commission we find here is urgent. They were to go immediately. When the angel came, 
And he came to the jail, and he unlocked the jail doors, and he said to the disciples, Go, go stand in the temple court. He was not just freeing the apostles because he loved them. He had a mission for them to accomplish. There was a commission for them. So the, the compassion of the Lord is that he wants the lost to hear. He wants his believers to share that good news. And here he told the apostles, I want you to free you. I want to give you the opportunity, but you must go. Go to the temple courts. It's urgent. A popular Christian author a number of years ago presented an intriguing parable about the church. He said, imagine, if you will, a business owner. And he called all of his employees together. And he said, listen, I'm going to go on an extended trip. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue on with business. And during my time away, I want you to make sure that you get everything done. And I will write you letters on a consistent basis to tell you what I desire you to do. And so it came about for the trip, and he went off on his trip. And he was true to his word. He would consistently write letters of things that he wanted them to do to accomplish. Well, finally... Two years later, the business owner came back. He came back to his building, and when he entered the building, he first saw that there were weeds growing up everywhere outside the building. And then he noticed that the windows across the front of the building, they were cracked, broken. When he came inside, he found the receptionist asleep. And he began hearing these loud music coming from all the different offices. And the last thing that he found was that in the time that he was gone, the bottom line of the business had bottomed out. It was not doing well. He called all of his employees together and he said, listen, did you not get all the letters with the instructions that I had sent you? And they said, oh, oh yes, we did get those letters. In fact, we all joined together and we agreed with everything you said in those letters. In fact, we did even more than that. We bound those letters together in a book. And we did even more than that because some of us even memorized parts of those letters. And not only did some of our people memorize them, every single week we would come together and we would read the letters and we would study those letters. And they inspired us. And the business over, distraught and confused, said, well, well then... What did you do about everything that I wrote you? And the employees looked at each other and said, do? Oh, we didn't do anything concerning the letters, but we read them all the time. Listen, when the Lord Jesus Christ has given us his word, his letters, and he's given us the Holy Spirit inside of us. He does not want us just to bind them together into a book. He doesn't want us just to memorize them. He doesn't want us to have weekly letter or Bible studies. He doesn't want us just to read them and say, man, these are good and inspiring. What he wants us to do is do something about them. That's what it's all about. For our own spiritual growth, but also to get into the world, the community in which we live, to be a lighthouse to share the good news. His commission is urgent. The angel said, I want you to go. 
to the temple courts, delivering the message from Jesus. We find that the commission is not changed in our day to day. It's the same commission that his followers received in, in John chapter 20 and 21. The scripture says that is following his resurrection, he said, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, Jesus wants us to take those good, that good news, and he wants us to take it to all the world. I am sending you. It's the same commission that they received on the day of the ascension in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In fact, that same commission is recorded in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and Luke chapter 24. It is the same commission, and that's exactly what the angel said to these apostles that he unlocked the jail gate for, go into the temple courts. Jesus has told us all to go. He has freed us. He has taken us out of jail. He's taken us out of bondage. He's given us that freedom and the spirit, and he wants us to go and share. It has not changed at all. Palmer Ofuku was not a Christian. He's placed in a mission school in uh, Nigeria a number of years ago because his parents thought that he would receive a very good education. But he remained, through these years of going to school, a strong adherent of the traditional religion. But one year, a new missionary came to the school, and he became involved and engaged in the lives of the Nigerians. He brought a new quality of relationship, and eventually he led Palmer to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Later on, Palmer explained the missionary's influence in this way. He said, he built a bridge of friendship to me, and Jesus walked across. That's the purpose of believers. We are to build a bridge of friendship to those who are lost and allow Jesus to speak through us and walk across that bridge. The way we live, the way we talk. We find that the commission is urgent, it is not changed, and it is specific. In verse 20, the angel said to these apostles, go into the temple courts, tell the people the full message of this new life. That's what they were supposed to do. That was their commission. That was their purpose. That was their assignment. That's why Jesus brought them out of jail. Tell the complete story. One man wrote, You are writing the gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? That full gospel is this. Jesus is the Son of God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for the sins of humanity, and on the third day he was raised again. We find that he ascended to heaven, standing, sitting on the right hand of God, and one of these days he's going to return in his second coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And for one to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've got to repent of their sins, be sorry for them genuinely, and put them behind and ask Jesus to forgive them and place their faith in Jesus Christ and surrender their life to him as Lord. That is the complete, full gospel. And that's what he wants them to do. He said, I want you to tell the people the full message of this new life because they had experienced that new life. And my friends, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have experienced that new life. And he says, I want you to go tell the people the full message. We find the Lord's compassion on the apostles, on his followers, and on the people of the world led to the commission. The commission was to go and share them the good news, give them the hope of the full message of what Jesus has done. The only element that is remaining that is questionable is our part, and that is the believer's commitment. In verse 21, the scripture says, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. They didn't just get freed from jail told what to do, and then decided, you know what, it might be safer for us just to go home. <laughs> it's more comfortable for us to maybe not go to the temple courts where they arrested us prior. But the scripture says, no, they began to teach the people. A young man was dining with his girlfriend one, one night. He said to her, with all the romance he could, he could muster, I love you with all of my heart. All that I am and all that I have is yours. Every possession of my soul and my life, it belongs to you. And when the waiter came by, he said, Sir, separate checks, please. That is partial commitment. The words say one thing, but the commitment to say, All that I have is yours, well, actually, I'm holding it back. I'm going to go with a split check. It's not heartfelt. And I want to make sure that for each one of us who have given our lives to Christ, that our commitment to fulfill the commission that God has given us is heartfelt and is given completely. These apostles, they went exactly where the Lord told them to go. They were obedient. Verse 25, you find a person in the community coming and telling those religious leaders when they were trying to figure out what in the world happened to them. He said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple court. Why would you do that? Most people that are broken out of jail, they're going to high and hightail it wherever they can. But guess what? These disciples went exactly back where the people were. And so they went where the Lord told them to go, and they also did what the Lord told them to do. In verse 25, he says, teaching the people. The command was to go to the temple courts, in verse 21, and began to teach the people, and they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. Sam Shoemaker was one of the great spiritual leaders of another generation. He made witnessing, that is the sharing of the gospel, that's a communication of letting people know what Jesus did for you. It was a priority for him. He said, I sometimes had to fight for it, but I sought to get in at least one good long talk with somebody on spiritual matters every day. 
and I usually managed it. What I find was Sam Shoemaker, who was a wonderful evangelist, just talking to people one-on-one, that he made sharing the gospel a priority. It was important, and it was intentional. It didn't just happen. We just didn't fall over it. He looked for people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. For believers, that's what our commitment needs to be. We also find that these apostles, their commitment was unwavering. If you go to verse 29 of Acts chapter 5, they said to the religious leaders when they confronted them again, said, we must obey God rather than men. Obeying God is to follow the commission that he's given us with the compassion that he has. The commission says, go share the gospel. It did not give any kind of footnote that says, unless you're persecuted. Or unless you're told not to by government officials. He said, go. These men said, we're going to obey God rather than men. Edward Studd was one of Dwight L. Moody's great and most famous converts in the 19th century England. Uh, Studd was a wealthy man, a wealthy businessman. He loved uh, horse racing. He had some 20-plus racehorses, and, and he really did well. But one day, somebody on a challenge got him to go to a Dwight L. Moody evangelistic meeting. And when he got there, he was mesmerized, and Jesus completely changed his life. It's interesting that he only lived two more years after he gave his life to Christ. But he changed everything. His whole view of life changed. At his funeral, someone said that he did more in the two years since he came to know Christ than most Christians do in 20 years. He changed his lifestyle, turned that great hall that he owned at Tedworth in England as a gathering place for Christians. He, he took out all of that great furniture in those halls and he brought in benches and chairs so evangelists could come and preach and teach right there. He wrote to his friends about their souls. He called on his tailor and he called on his shirt maker and he spoke of Christ. Someone asked his coachman, what happened to him? He said, listen, all I can say is that though there is the same skin, there's a new man inside. And listen, that's what we need. Edward Studd made a change. And when he changed and was transformed by Jesus, his commitment was unwavering. He did not go about life as usual. Everything was radically changed. That's what commitment is. We also find that these uh, apostles, their commitment brought about persecution and rejoicing. Move on to verses 40 or 41. The scripture says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The religious leaders didn't really know what to do. They told them, we do not want you to share Jesus, even mention his name anywhere. And that's when they said, we're going to obey God rather than men. And they doubled down and they flocked them. They persecuted them. They beat them and said, don't mention this name anymore. And they went on their way. They faced persecution, hostility. 
But when they left, they rejoiced that they had been considered worthy to be beaten, much like Jesus was. Billy Graham tells of one of his associate evangelists who was in uh, Central America at one of the universities, and he was trying to share the gospel, having worship services and trying to share the gospel with, with uh, students. And uh, one of the students was particularly hostile to him. She said, I do not believe any of that hogwash that you are sharing. And the evangelist looked at her and said, Ma'am, I do not agree with what you're saying, but I wonder if I could pray with you. And she looked at him and said, Well, I've never, I've never had anybody pray for me, so I can't do any harm. Go ahead. And so he began to pray fervently. She looked straight forward. She was defiant. But as he prayed, and tears between began to, to go down his cheeks because he was praying for the salvation of this soul that was completely against God. When he finished his prayer and he's opened his eyes, he saw that she had great tears in her eyes and down her face. And she looked at him and said, there has been no one in my life that has loved me enough to shed a tear for me. She was hostile, but he communicated the gospel through a prayer. And she was touched and accepted Christ. And they rejoiced together. We find that the apostles, their commitment was lasting. If you look at verse 42, the scripture says, Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Christ. How are you doing? How are you doing with that? Is your commitment to share Christ lasting? Or did you do it when you first gave your life to Christ and you were excited, but you kind of got settled into the comfort zone? The organizational church, the institutional church, all the different committees and all, and well, I'm serving God that way. But you know, when you serve God doing all of these marvelous ministries that we do, that does not negate the responsibility and the privilege of sharing the gospel of Christ. Here the scripture says, day after day after day after day. In the temple courts, a more public setting, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. And my friends, that's a challenge for us. The challenge for us is to every single day take on the responsibility in public or just privately, house to house, to teach what the scripture says, to live it out, and to share the gospel of Christ. We find in this passage the Lord's compassion, not only for his apostles and his followers, but for the people who are lost. We find that he's given the commission to all of his followers, all of his believers, to go out and share the good news of Christ. It is very specific. And third, we find that we as believers have a commitment to make. And I wonder if you're willing to make that commitment. Are you compassionate like Jesus about the lostness of people? Do you understand that Jesus' commission is for you to fulfill? And are you willing today to make that commitment? 
His commission is to every single one of us as believers, and it is to share the gospel now. And I wonder if you might commit this morning to say, you know what, I am going to take the challenge. I'm going to share the gospel. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of words I'm going to use, but I am going to hear and watch and be focused upon sharing Jesus with the lost. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, we ask very specifically that you will lead us as believers in Christ to become engaged, not in being fans in the stands, but in sharing the gospel of Christ that gives hope and life to every single person. Help us to build those relationships like a bridge where Jesus can walk over. I pray that each one of us will make those commitments and that we will make them important, a priority, and prioritize them in such a way that they're intentional. I pray also for those that are listening and watching. If they don't have a relationship with Christ, I pray right now that they would embrace Christ as their Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.